Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program. We've got a packed program for you today. Plenty of information and education with some fun thrown in. We've got great guests. And if you have questions, I want to remind you that you can send them to Jim, J-I-M, the 901-683-0989. going to remind you, though, we've got, as I said, a packed program. Shannon Dyson's here with us, going to talk about Medicare Advantage because it's open enrollment right now for Medicare Advantage. And we've got to kind of look at some things you should and should not do, some questions and concerns. And of course, in the latter part of the program, as always, the professor from the Better Business Bureau, Daniel Irwin's here. We're going to talk about uh, Scam School, as always, and he's really going to kind of hit us with his idea between a particular scam, and it is really one called virtual kidnapping. You don't want to miss that. But he's also going to give us some tips about how we use the Better Business Bureau for our benefit as the consumer. So that's the lineup for today. I mean, I'm excited about it. I hope you sit back, enjoy it. And let me just welcome, first and foremost, our guest, Scott Jordan. Scott, welcome to the program, sir. Great to be here, Jim. Happy New Year to Happy you. Happy New Year to you, man. I tell you what, it's already rocking and rolling, too. It doesn't seem like it just seemed like we went through the holidays and bang, it's right in our face. Back and, uh, at it. Back at it, exactly. Well, here's the question that I, I need to ask you. Because this is a guy that's, I think it's two good questions. They were from two different people. Let's tie them together. Getting out of debt. Now, he has three credit cards he was talking about. He said, I've got a credit card that's too big, 5000 That's got him his concern. He's trying to buy a house. And he knows he's got to get out of debt in order to be able to afford the house. His second credit card was in excess of $1,500. And then he had a third credit card that was a little bit over $500. So let's just say $5,500. What would you give to him for advice about getting out of debt, preparing to buy a house? Well, first of all, I'd say kudos. And this is a good time. You know, the new year, people start to evaluate everything. It's a good time to look at doing something like getting out of debt. And I think that's a great plan to start the year off with. Um, you know, what I would say to him is I, I would start, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies you can go by, pay off highest interest first and all that. I would start with the lowest credit card, you know, organize the, the debts in lowest to highest and pay off the lowest one first. Now that may now, let's say one of the higher balance cards has a higher interest rate on it. it. It could make logical sense to try to pay that one off first. But I think starting with smallest and going to the highest, you get some victories along the way. Oh, and I think that's huge. absolutely important. Now, when you're doing that, what you do is you take it. Once you get to paying off that smallest debt, you take the money that you were applying toward that debt and go to the next highest debt. We call that a debt snowball. You keep those payments rolling forward and and you can build some momentum that way because again when you when you pay off that low interest or that low balance card not only are you going to feel better but now you have extra money to apply toward those other debts so i think that that just makes sense and, and again I, I think it's you know debt always mortgages the future it always sentences you to a lower lifestyle in the future so getting out of debt i think that's a critical step so, all right so getting out of debt starting with the smallest one so now when you've got that debt credit card paid off you know that credit card's gone, do you 
What do you do with it? I mean, put it in a closet someplace or bury it in the backyard or what do you do? Yeah, I think whatever whatever it takes to keep from going back into debt, there's always that temptation when you've got some credit available there to you to, you know, something comes along that you need money for to go back into debt. I think whatever whatever you need to do to do that. And now, based on how our credit system works in this country, I wouldn't recommend closing the credit card because your credit score actually improves as you have available debt to you that you're not using. That you're not using. So, um, so you're saying don't close the card. Don't, don't cancel the he's card. He's working to get his credit score up in order to buy a house. But whatever it takes to keep you from not, I mean, you could cut the credit card <laughs> up and not and not have it. Now, you know, it may be that you want to put it back somewhere, you know, just in case there were a, a true emergency that you had to have it. But again, getting out of debt and staying out of debt is the key. So whatever it takes to keep from, I've heard of people freezing them in a block of ice and everything else. <laughs> just just so you have to think for a little while before you get to it, right? So what, yeah, whatever it takes to keep you out of debt. That's great. All right, let's go to the second guy because I think it's a similar question because he says his credit score, he's trying, it's okay, he's bought a house. He is, uh, he didn't say his age, but I sensed it as we talked a little bit about around 50. Wants to pay his house off early. And what would you say to him? The, the idea is, got a house, make it a payment, but I want to pay it off early. I think paying off the mortgage is a great idea and, and a missed opportunity from a lot of people. But I think I would want to know more about his situation before I said that was a great idea. And, and here's what I mean by that. You know, are, are we... Are we running up debt on, say, credit cards or, or have other high interest debt that we're not paying off in an effort to try to pay the mortgage down early? Are we not putting money back for the future? Do we have an emergency fund? Have we taken care of some of those fundamentals? I've seen cases where people get so focused on paying off the mortgage that they ignore other areas of their finances and that because again, if you have equity in a house, yes, you do have equity, but let's say you need that for something. You know, you didn't have any other cash set aside. And you didn't save any other money. Right. Now you have an emergency. Well, how are you going to get it back? You have to actually go to the bank, qualify for a loan. You know, who knows what the interest rates are going to be at that time in order to get quote unquote, your money back. So again, it's a good idea. I I love the idea of paying the mortgage off. And I think as a long-term goal, that's something people should focus on. But I think you have to look at those other areas first. You know, do we have a good emergency fund? You know, do we have another major purchase that's coming up that we may have to have to be looking out for that, you know, we don't want to go into a debt on a credit card or something like that to get, you know, have we have we looked at our future? Are we saving for the future, doing things like taking advantage of the match in a 401k and things like that? So I think it's a hard question to answer in isolation, but um, I do think it's a good idea. Uh, you and I were talking earlier, if you're going to do it, you want to make sure when you're making those extra payments that you're applying them toward the principal and not just sending them up blindly to, blindly to the mortgage company because they may not apply it in the way that you want it to. And if so. you're sending a check, make two checks. If you're doing right. it online, make sure yep. that the second payment is identified as a payment on the debt on my mortgage. Absolutely, absolutely. But doing things, I mean, you can do the math on it. Doing things even like paying one extra payment a year can really shorten the length of your mortgage or paying just a little extra each month can do it. But again, think about the big picture. Uh, You know, I don't know, he didn't really uh, indicate what the interest rate was on the mortgage or anything like that. But if it's a low interest mortgage, there may be other priorities that come first. But but great great idea. Great Great idea. idea. Great, great question. Great answer. Appreciate that, Scott. You know, if you just tuned in, my guest, Scott 
Jordan, Shannon Dyson, and Daniel Irwin. We're going to find out a lot about uh, from the Better Business Bureau about how to identify problems with the Better Business Bureau coming up. Shannon Dyson's going to talk about really a subject that is on everybody's mind, whether you happen to be in this particular situation, Medicare Advantage program, or you know a parent of yours. You've got a parent or you know someone that's also in the Medicare Advantage. So you want to listen to that part of the program. But first, Scott, here's the question that I think so many people, we've had this question multiple times, and I wanted to start kind of 2023 with laying out, what do I need to know when selecting a financial professional? What questions should I be asking? And I think that's a very, very strong, legitimate question for a lot of people because sometimes it's uh, it's intimidating. It's a different it language it and is. it can be so critical when you're trying to work with someone. What do you need to ask them? Let's start with a couple of those questions. Yeah, and I think, you know, you always have to start with the first one, you know, can I truly profit from investment advice? Is this something that I need to be looking after or or can I do this on my own? And I think that's that's question one to answer. But, you know, I, you know, this may be a little self-serving, but I think that people who work with advisors tend to have more successful outcomes over the long term in aggregate. Some people do, do that's good on the other yes, yes, absolutely. Go to that. Uh, but but once you've decided, yes, I do think I would like to have somebody to at least bounce ideas off of or get some advice from um, you know, I would start with, because uh, we just got through saying there is a cost to getting investment advice, right? So you need to understand what that cost is and how that advisor is being paid. So, uh, so what are you saying is that just you ask the question, how you get paid? I, I think absolutely Straight you ask up. that question and you need a, a clear, transparent answer on that. I mean, for example, you know, two of the major ways that a lot of people in the investment industry get paid is either, either through fees. They charge a fee for their advice, either an hourly fee or a fee based on assets under management, or they may get paid in commissions. Now, neither one of those are bad or good. And actually a com- combination of both. Or a combination of both. But, you know, if let's, let's say, for example, somebody's only paid on com- commissions, could that influence the advice they give you? I think it absolutely could. And that doesn't mean it has to. And like I said, there's no right or wrong answer to that question. But you just need to understand how somebody's getting paid and, and what that that fee structure or that commission structure, how that may affect the advice that they're giving you. So so know that fee structure, fee-based or commission only, or a combination of the two, that makes good sense. So just ask that. The, the advisor, the professional should be transparent, have no problem sharing that. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. Not, a, that's not a negative question. It's no. just if you're about no. to hire somebody, how, how am I paying you? You need to fully understand how they're getting paid. You know, I mean, everybody knows nobody works for free. So if you're not really clear on where the fee's coming from, then you, then you better dig down into the that's details great, and try to, try to find out point. where that is. What about the standard? I know that's the second one that you think about, the standard, because that does kind of have something to do with this fee structure you're talking it does, about. It does, absolutely. And and, and what you're kind of hinting at is, is are they a fiduciary or do they operate just solely under what they call a suitability standard? Now, there's been some changes in the law in recent years with this best interest regulation that has brought those two a little closer together. But fiduciary is still the highest standard in the industry. And that means, you know, somebody really has to be acting always in your best interest. Whereas a typical suitability standard just is, you know, is this investment or is this product right for them at the time? But I think what's when you say the regulators have really tried to bring those two standards closer together with the idea of best interest. What's right. the best interest for the client? Client. So I don't want someone to say, "All right, I'm a fiduciary, so everybody else is bad." Or you know, uh, absolutely, that's not absolutely. the way it works. They've really done a good job of bringing those two together. But understand, doesn't hurt you to ask the question. 
What standard do you, talking to the professional, that you work under? Yeah, and I think you're you're kind of hitting on a good point there. You know, a relationship from an investment advisor perspective is all built around trust. You have to work with somebody that you trust, that's open, honest, transparent about how they're getting paid, how what they're recommending to you, how that affects you in the long run. So really, you know, it comes down to trust. And yes, fiduciary does legally hold them to a higher standard. But at the end of the day, you want to get with somebody you can trust. And if they're under a suitability standard, I mean, like you said, there's no right or wrong answer to that. Well, let me just remind everybody, you could always ask us a question. And we're going to answer a question that literally, Scott, you just laid that right in my lap. That's a softball. Thank you. I'll try to take care of that. <laughs> but uh, the, if you got a question, just simply text it to J-I-M, Jim, 901-683-0989. That's 901-683-0989. Or you can send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. But here's the question that, that literally came from a friend that said, hey, my my son-in-law is thinking about getting into the business, okay? Now, he says the business, being a professional, wanted to be in the financial, you know, being a professional. And he said, what would you tell him were the characteristics? Now, not all the other stuff that we're talking about, some of the questions asked, but the characteristics. You mentioned trust. And I actually, when I answered the question for him, I said, you got to be able to establish trust. You got to Absolutely. be trustworthy. That's a character statement that you're making. So what, what else would you say? I think good communication skills, you know, there's a lot of complexity in our industry. So you need to be able to take these very complex ideas and break them down to understandable concepts for people. Do you ever tell anybody, if you can't understand the advisor, you might need to get another advisor? Because <laughs> that's really a problem. We have that people come in and say, he talks down to me. She talks down to yeah. me. She talks in the line. And we hear that a lot. And, and, you know, we always tell our clients, if we're talking in a way you don't understand, please stop us and help us, you know, to see that we're doing that. And, and maybe we can clarify that for you. And, we, and you're not, you don't have to be an expert. That's why you're hiring the advisor. You know, you want somebody who's competent and can do that for you. But you need to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it as well. So it's really important that, you know, on both sides, there's communication, open lines of communication. Open lines of communication. So communication, you're talking about trusting. I actually said that they need to be a good listener. So maybe that's part of communication, <laughs> that, that, listening and understanding. We do a discovery interview yes. that we talk about. We just ask questions. And if we're not if we're not listening to people, we have a tendency to everybody is a nail and we're a hammer. And so we're going to hammer everything we see. Well, we always say you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. For you, a need, reason. you need to listen twice as much as you're talking. And that's that's key to you, you want an advisor who sits down and listens to you, right? Because the, they need to understand exactly what you're trying to accomplish so they don't create your plan for you. It's your plan. It's your goals. It's your objective. And the advisor is there to listen to you and then help you help show you an easier way to get there maybe. Yes, recently we were working on an estate review for a client and at the end of the summary statement we said what is blank's goals right and that's really right. what you're talking about I mean, absolutely three four pages of notes and summary things and stuff but at the end of the day what's the goals i mean that's the key question that we're going to dive in with that particular client because that's important and i think having done this long enough now to kind of begin to see the fruition of your, your, when you do something for over 20, 25, 30, 35 years, I won't go any further than that. That's enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, the reality is you begin to see what you started right. come into fruition. And I've learned that being a servant, 
to your clients is really, I think, key number one. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, serving our clients, and and again, we're there to help them accomplish their goals. So having that servant's heart, that that might even be number one. You know, when you go back, is is having that attitude of being a servant. Is I, I really want to see people do well, and like you said, there's no greater feeling to see that plan come come to fruition because we when we when we set goals they're very long-term in nature and it's easy to kind of lose sight of where we're going but as you get some time under there and you can see some of those goals come to fruition it is really exciting so i think having that servant's heart that's a great great point well you've covered some things that you ask when you're looking to select a financial professional you said how do you make money is it fee-based commission or a combination of the two What's the standard? You talked about fiduciary suitability. Now, and then we got into the character traits, and you've said communicators, listener, trusting, you know, being a servant. Those are so critical. Let me ask you one more particular question. What about this idea of the investment philosophy? You hear a lot of times people lead with that. You didn't lead with that. But what does it mean to have an investment philosophy when it comes to working with a client? Well, I didn't leave with that because that is really just one part of the investment process. It's the one that gets a lot of attention, right? Everybody wants to uh, look at investing and and it's kind of an exciting area of the financial planning process, but it is just one part. But I think, you know, when you are looking for an advisor, you want to look for an advisor who shares your same values and your same goals, and you need to understand their investment philosophy and how they're going to invest your money. For example, how do they determine how they put you into certain asset classes? You know, we always talk about those those three tenets or those three bedrock principles of asset allocation, diversification, and then rebalancing the portfolio to keep it in line with that original allocation. And of course, that That's does not, not guarantee <laughs> no, success. No. It's, we need to understand that. You know, understanding how they put that together. In other words, you know, is it is it based on how the investment advisor feels or is it based on my risk tolerance or my, my ability to take on that market volatility? What about my time horizon? Uh, what about, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish? What type of return do I, do I need? So you need to understand that philosophy that an investor goes by because there's going to be some tough times. We just went through three years of absolute chaos. Uh, in the market and and really not over yet, still going. So there's going to be some tough times. So when you understand what you're trying to accomplish and then understand how you're supposed to get there, it's easier to stick with that long-term strategy throughout those, uh, you know, unexpected ups and downs. downs. You know, I appreciated you saying three years because a lot of people would say, no, two years, the three previous years were great years. And yet everybody was jumping on the bandwagon because their market was up and they were not willing to continue their process, their strategy. And that's our job is to manage that risk tolerance and not get caught up in the fervor of everybody jumping on this thing and say, oh, I want to do this. And we talked some people off the ledge of doing that. And so also you got to talk to people off the ledge of jumping ship when the market's not doing well as it's not done in 2022. Yeah, well, I always say the market vacillates back and forth between fear of missing out. That's what we kind of saw in 21 when the market, you know, came back and started doing really well, really second half of 2020. And then we started to see the second bear market come along. You get that fear of loss coming in again. So so those twin fears that you have to really keep people focused on the long-term plan and, and we don't get too excited when the market's doing really well and go chasing those 
those asset classes, and we don't get scared out of the market when it's not doing well. Well, great job, Scott. A lot of very important information, and if you missed part of this program, you can simply always find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it so much, and just be a part. We like the questions you ask. We try to get to those questions. And the question that we're going to deal with next, and that's going to be Shannon Dyson, Medicare Advantage, it's open enrollment, and that's different from Medicare annual enrollment, and you need to understand the difference. And he's going to walk us through that specific process. I mean, when you talk about a Medicare Advantage plan, the question is, should you ever drop that plan? Should you ever discontinue and maybe make a change? Why did you make a change? And uh, what's the consequences if you make a change? Well, that's going to be the things we're going to dive in with Shannon Dyson when we come back. Don't forget, Daniel Irwin's here from the Better Business Bureau, the professor from Scam School. And we're looking forward to hear him. He's going to talk about a subject, though, called virtual kidnapping. That just sounds bad. And so you want to definitely be a part of that program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Daniel Irwin or the Better Business Bureau. The views and opinions expressed are those of Daniel Irwin only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We have actually a great program lined up for you. And Shannon Dyson's in the studio talking about Medicare Advantage open enrollment period, which is from January the 1st to March the 31st. Now, Shannon, I've got a question for you. Well, I guess I better say welcome to the program. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me back. Now, let me let me start here because this is kind of a, a shocker when you and I were talking about the program that a person could actually be f- put into a situation with their Medicare Advantage that they would possibly want to drop that plan during this particular time or any time, I guess. Explain that because that just blew me away. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to get through this answer really quickly because this virtual kidnapping thing on the next oh, segment has got, got my attention. Yeah. But, but yeah, Medicare Advantage open enrollment, this means that you already have a Medicare Advantage plan. And so you can change that plan, but you can also drop the plan. And so to your question, if you have a parent or if you yourself feel like or you are in a bad health situation, you may need some skilled nursing, nursing care over this coming year, you may actually consider dropping a Medicare Advantage plan and going back to original Medicare. Uh, And the reason is we're seeing uh, more and more cases of Medicare Advantage plans ending short a a time period in nursing care. Well, your plan says they're not paying anymore, so you can stay and pay the full 
price of the visit, uh, or you can go home. So, so if you tell me that if I got a Medicare Advantage plan and I get that phone call and they say, you've got to go home and I can't say, well, no, wait a minute, I'm going to, let me go back to Medicare. I can't do it now. That, that's the issue. And so when, when you have a Medicare Advantage plan, the plan is making the decision of when you are supposed to be going home. When you have regular Medicare, the doctors at the facility are making that call as to when you are supposed to go home. And so that's why you have seen several instances where people, it actually makes more sense. Uh, there's also some facilities that won't accept Medicare Advantage for that reason. Uh, the reimbursement level may not be uh, as much as Medicare. That's That sounds to me like almost it's misleading. You know, Medicare, quote unquote, advantage. It just doesn't sound, and, and we have people, an aging population in America today, mm-hmm. you have people that are being held, kept alive longer, and they, you know, they go into this special care, let's call it, you know, you can go to I'm not, you, you tell me nursing homes, you tell me any type of convalescent care that I need, rehabilitation, all of that would fall under Medicare Advantage. Yeah, if you have Medicare Advantage, you, you're covered with everything that Medicare is covered. So you have coverage for what Medicare covers, uh, but you may not have the same level of coverage that you would have if you just had original Medicare. Uh, and that doesn't apply to every category. It's mainly that skilled nursing, nursing component. That's where if, you, if you're comparing... Uh, Medicare Advantage plans to say a Medicare supplement plan. Um, that's the one area that is really a stark difference in how it's covered. And so if you find yourself, you're already in a Medicare Advantage plan, uh, you're trying to make decisions for this upcoming year, uh, that's something to consider is if you are in bad health, you, you've you been told you may need some skilled nursing or you're in the hospital now knowing that you're going to need rehab, um, you may consider dropping that Advantage plan and just going back to uh, original Medicare. Uh, if you're not in that situation, there, you know, there are many other things to consider as far as, you know, this time period um, of what you may want to do, uh, you know, your premiums. There's a lot of zero premium plans with Medicare Advantage. Um, you mentioned a minute ago, many people retiring, going into this age, age bracket. The zero premium has a nice ring to it. Uh, if you don't have to pay any money per month and you can have health care, that's a great deal. Uh, and it can be for some, for some people. You just have to know where, those, where the pitfalls are uh, in those plans. Pitfalls, problems. I mean, you make decisions on this all the time. So 901-757-5757. If you want to speak to Shannon, that's the telephone, or to Scott, 901-757-5757. Shannon Dyson, Scott Jordan. Guys, this is critical. And, and Shannon, I'm, I'm saying, okay, I've got to make a decision during this open enrollment. Now, why is open enrollment kind of a, a chance? What am I looking for with an open enrollment here? You're going to be looking to make sure that your doctor uh, is still in the network. So if you if you had a, a one carrier health uh, Medicare Advantage plan uh, this year, your doctor may or may not still be in that network. You want to make sure your doctors are still there. If not, you may want to make a change to a plan that does have a doctor or your doctor in their network. Um, how prescription drugs are covered. Uh, the formulary lists change every single year. And so if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, most of those plans have prescription formularies or prescription drug coverage with it. Uh, so just make sure that your prescriptions are still covered. Now you're doing that. Here we are in the open enrollment period. You've got three months, mm-hmm. full months, talk, click, you know, the clock's ticking. So you've got to go in and you said, number one, check for the doctor. Check your doctor. Number doctors, two, yep. my prescription drugs. And so... That's something you can't put off and say, you know, you, that needs to be done ASAP. You got to be doing it right now. Uh, okay. January 1st started the, when you enroll into a new plan or if you change plans, uh, that plan becomes effective the first of the month following when you say that you want to make the change. 
Uh, so you have, you know, 90 days to, to me- no, This less. is not what you procrastinate. You have less. You, no, have you less don't want to procrastinate this. Yeah, you don't procrastinate. All because after this, you cannot make a change until the next open enrollment period. Which would be this time Which next year. Which would be this year. time next year, yeah. All right, now you talk about doctor prescription, and then you talk about price. I know price and control and price is so critical for a lot of people. A lot of the analysis that we do when, when clients come in is we look at what the premiums versus the copay. So if you have a, uh, a zero premium Medicare Advantage plan, what that probably means is you're going to pay higher copays if you go into the hospital. You'll pay higher copays uh, if you have outpatient surgery, and you'll have a higher out-of-pocket maximum. Uh, if you have a plan that has a premium, so you're paying 100 or more dollars per month, what that means is that your copays are going to be lower. So if you go to the doctor, your copay will be lower. If you go into the hospital, you'll have a lower copay. Same thing for outpatient care and your maximum out-of-pocket exposure will also be lower. Uh, so what we, we typically do is look at the premium cost plus your max out-of-pocket cost and kind of compare the two. Look at your health history over the last few years. How many times have I been to the doctor? How many outpatient surgeries have I had? How Do I know I have to see a specialist every single period, every single quarter? Uh, is that I need to add that expense in there to know that that's going to be part of my medical costs and just see which one makes the most sense for you. Well, that's, you know, the, the, the sad part about this is a lot of times you get that senior citizen that's got to make those decisions and it's confusing. I mean, at best, you got to read, you got to understand, and you talk about, you know. It's very confusing, especially since we just had an, an annual enrollment period that ended December 7th, and now there's a new open enrollment period. And honestly, you don't hear much about this open enrollment period for whatever reason. The, the one that, in de, you know, December is the one that you hear the most about. And that's the Medicare open Absolutely. enrollment. Absolutely, Medicare now, prescription Part D. this is Medicare D, Advantage. Yep. Now, let's talk about this. You, you know, you mentioned this, you led with this almost to the point of, Home health care, physical therapy, skilled nursing. How do you know that's covered? Do you look for those terms or just here I am. I'm, I'm looking at a piece of paper and I'm trying to understand it. What should I look for, Shannon? Sure. Let me give you an example. So if you have a, um, a th- these are plans that actually exist with clients that we've actually helped. Uh, a zero premium plan uh, with a major carrier uh, and you have to have home health services or you, let's just, let's say you have to rehab, skilled rehab in a, in a facility. Uh, you're going to pay $300 per day that you are there up to five days with this particular carrier. So you know you're going to have $1,500 out of pocket. And that's my carrier that I have today. And that's the carrier that Dude, you have today. I'm looking today. at my current plan, Medicare Advantage, $500, $300. For- $300 per day, first five days, okay. then it pays for everything else. Now, if you get transferred to a different facility or have another admission, that starts over again. So $300 a day for five days. The max out of pocket, seven thousand nine hundred for the year. So that means you're going to be paying those copays until you reach seven thousand nine hundred dollars. Compare that to a plan where you may pay a hundred dollars per month, but if you need that same skilled nursing or skilled rehab care, it's one hundred seventy-five dollars per day for the first three days. Uh, so those are the kind of decisions that you're making. They're all going to have coverage for skilled nursing. They're all going to have coverage for home health care. But it really helps to get in the weeds and see what those benefits are so it help you make a better decision. You know, I hate to say this. I'm a pretty smart guy, at least uh, that's what I tell myself. Anyway. I've said that before. I've you said have, you're a smart yeah, guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but here's the problem. This can get so confusing so quick that it's almost like you shut down your brain. You just kind of say, I, I don't understand it, and I push it aside. Well, it gets really confusing, especially when an alternative could even be, hey, it might be better for you to drop the Medicare Advantage plan altogether. See, that's, and, and that just, just goes against in my brain. It goes against everything that Absolutely. you would think that you should ever do, uh, but it could be an option, yeah. 
How do you decide then if you need to change your Medicare plan? I mean, you've told us a lot of information, but how do I make the main decision? thing that I would do is is make sure that if I'm taking a prescription that I know I'm going to be taking for the next 12 months for sure, make sure that prescription is still covered at the level that it was covered this previous year. If it's not, make sure it's something I can I can live with. Uh, and then make sure that your hospital network and your doctor network has not changed. Uh, if your doctor, especially if it's a specialist, it becomes even more important to make sure that that doctor's in network because there are, there's so many shifts in, in the uh, network that these doctors will accept from year to year. Uh, they'll, they could leave a full, a whole practice could leave uh, a network. And if you don't look into it and know that, you could keep that same plan, go to see that specialist for your every three month checkup. And now all of a sudden you're out of network and don't have coverage for it. And I know of a particular person that that, that actually happened and he found out that they needed to go to the hospital and the particular hospital was no longer in network. It mm-hmm. was out of network, but he could go to DeSoto County, right. and he was still in network, or he right. could go to, you know, to Tipton County. And that's the, so it is a moving target that people need to pay attention to. It absolutely is. And so just make sure you're asking the questions. Uh, call the number on the back of your card. If you have a, a person that you deal with that helps you uh, put it, get into this plan, call them. Ask them those questions. Uh, we're always available to, to answer and, and help you with, uh, with those questions as well. 901-757-5757, Shannon Dyson, or if you want to talk to Scott about the subject earlier, you can do that, 901-757-57. You know, here's my thought. I'm just in closing this this segment. What's the bottom line here? This is a chance to restart or it's opener enrollment, January the 1st through March the 31st. What are you saying to them? The bottom line is take control of your health care. Uh, you, you are the person that knows what is going on with your health. Uh, you know um, what specialists, you know what doctors you use. Make sure that the plan that you have, do not assume that the plan that you have today is going to be the best benefit plan for you in the, for, the, for the next year. A lot of times we make that decision or we make that thought, oh, it's fine, nothing's changed. The, these plans change drastically from year to year, so make sure you know what the changes are. I know you're working on a case right now that that's happened. Would you have thought that would have been the case a year ago? No, and, and it's something to where you, you, you don't think that you're going to need a home health care benefit until you need it. You don't think you're going to need a skilled nursing care benefit until you need it. And then when you start digging into the plan at that point and you find out some unfortunate news, it's too late. Uh, or at least it's too late to get care today. Now, we're in open enrollment period, so you can make those changes and it'll be effective the fir- first of the following month. So that's great. You can make a change. Uh, but if you waited until Let's end of March, June. You're, you're, you're out of luck for that year. And so I, I would encourage you always just call your insurance carrier and ask them for your, your explanation of benefits. Ask them for the, love, the, the packet. Ask them for any changes. They have to provide that to you. Were there any changes from my plan from year to year? They have to send you that information. Wow. This is open enrollment. It's open enrollment for Medicare Advantage. Take advantage of the open enrollment for Medicare Advantage. Yes, take advantage. Good. I take can go advantage. there. Now, let me, before we leave, there are advantages. Don't think that we're saying these are not good plans. There are dental, there's vision, there's hearing benefits associated with these plans. So that's another thing to be looking at when you look which plan has the best dental coverage or vision coverage or hearing coverage. So those are some other things to look at. Well, what you're saying is don't jump just because you, don't, you think, oh, it's open enrollment, I'll go change. Make sure that you've done a little bit of research. And as you said, go to the insurance company and ask the questions. Ask the questions, absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Janet, Shannon, Scott, both of you guys have done a great job of discovering a lot of information. But, you know, several of you have been waiting with bated breath. I know, I know. 
because now stepping into his chair is the professor, Daniel Orwin from the Better Business Bureau. And I appreciate it, Shannon, that you're saying that maybe we ought to get to virtual kidnapping. It sounds pretty rough, and I want, I want, I want Daniel. Daniel, welcome to the program, sir. It's always a pleasure to have you. Virtual kidnapping. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah, this is one where, you know, um, I, this kind of started, we started to see this in the end of 2022. Uh, the FBI actually issued an alert about this. Uh, this is something that we actually had eight reports of in the year of 2022 in Memphis. In Memphis. In Memphis. But this scam blew up the end of 22. The BBB scam tracker nationwide had 1,200 reports of this, wow. right? So it's happening in bigger cities. And, and as we know, what happens in the bigger cities eventually trickles down to the Mid-South. So I expect this to be a major problem in 2023. And we call it virtual kidnapping. And essentially, the perpetrators of these schemes will call parents and attempt to get them to believe their child's been abducted um, and demand an immediate ransom payment. Now, it's it's designed to elicit an emotional reaction. So you will, uh, you will react right then and there. And according to the FBI, this scammer usually originates with inmates in foreign prisons. And the scammers simply cold call Americans all day long, hoping to land on a person with kids. And when you get this call, it can be very scary because there's going to be a lot of noise and commotion in the background. And there's going to be people screaming and, and, and it'll go something like this. You'll hear a child screaming and it'll say, mommy, daddy, help me. And then there'll just be a lot of commotion. And then the scammers are hoping that you'll say that child's name. And then when you do, they're going to use that name to, to hook you in. And the kidnapper, the, the virtual kidnapper will then tell you all sorts of horrible things that they're going to do to your kids unless you send them money right away. Now, it can be very concerning as a parent, even though you know on some level it's a scam, to still have a, a man on the phone say the name of your child and, and say that they're going to do you know things to them. So again, this is, this is a newer tactic that scammers are going to be using in 2023, using your kids against you to elicit an emotional reaction where you'll pay them without thinking about it. Wow. Now we of all the of all the reports, the eight reports in Memphis that we had of this, only one person lost money, and and this is a really sad story. It was a, a older gentleman. He was a truck driver, and he had custody of his grandkids. So he was the you know so so they were his kids, and he was on the road, and he got this call, and it just freaked him out. Well, and he sure. he was on the road, and he could barely hear, and he said the name, and then they were saying the name, and so he stopped where he was and went and and paid the money immediately. And then when he when he looked back and thought about it, he he realized you know it, it was wrong. Um, but again, this is the the tactic of using your kids against you to elicit elicit emotional reaction is something to be on the lookout for in 2023. And the best thing you can do is if you get these calls where there where you know something like that, you just need to step back and think, right? Oh. Um, because if, if you, uh, we all want to react emotionally when it comes to our kids. And I mean, this is one where, you know, if you fall for this, you're not stupid, right? Like, you know, no, you, you're emotional. You, and yeah, emotional, emotional, right. You right. hear your name of your child, whether that's right. a six-year-old daughter, a six-year-old son or whatever it is, you're emotional right. and you're going to react. And be on the lookout for more aggressive tactics in 2023. Cause I promise you, you know, hearing about it first it's going to prepare you for when you get that call because it's not a matter of if you get a call like this. It's going to be when. And it may not be this scam exactly, right? And maybe something like it, but they're going to be using more aggressive tactics and they're going to be using loved ones against you to make you, uh, you know, make that emotional reaction. They're, they're hoping that you pay that money and then think about it later, right? Because if you 
you take the time, you see all the red flags. Right. But it can be really, really bad. And the other thing, the devastating part is, and they're not necessarily targeting divorced parents, but if we look at the data and the people that have lost money to this scam in 2022, it tends to be divorced parents that may not know where their kids are at every moment of the day, right? So so it does affect divorced parents more, uh, at least the research shows, that affects divorced parents more right now than it is, you know, uh, uh, non-divorced parents. That's a terrible scam. And scams are just bad, period. And that's an emotional scam. So we hope that this gives you some insight. And that's why Daniel does such a great job. He's the Director of Public Relations for the Better Business Bureau here in the Mid-South. It always does a great job first first Saturday of every month for us and does a uh, just a, a phenomenal information about how to protect ourselves. But, but we need to talk to people that sometimes fail to to catch on. And, and so what I'm going to do is introduce you to a person in the studio that is a, uh, a dear friend, does a fabulous job. He is my producer, Tyler Springs. And Tyler, over the holidays, even though you are looking straight at Daniel Irwin, once a month he says, don't do this, don't do this. What ha- it's true confession time, sir. I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm embarrassed, <laughs> honestly. Uh, Daniel thinks I know better than this, and I, it turns out I don't. So I'm on Twitter, and I got caught in a situation where I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I saw a couple of those very short roll video ads that have some quick edits in them. They've got some flashy colors, and they pitch you on cool Christmas items. And I ended up paying less than $100 for two items uh, that I wanted to give to my family that I thought, hey, this will look cool for my dad. This will look cool for my brother. And it turns out they came from a company from a foreign country. And the website, even though there were two different sites in terms of the URL, the logo was exactly the same colors and the same font. So they were sort of carbon copies uh, of each one of those. And I bought those two gifts and waited on each one to arrive. And my brother never got one of them. And my dad's ended up coming, but it's of a much cheaper quality than what I was pitched on. So I did put in a fraud claim for the one uh, for both of them initially, and I'm going to have to retract the one that actually came to me, Daniel. But even when you think you're smart enough to recognize, hey, this is a scam, sometimes you're not or sometimes just the desire to get something done or, or it seems like a good idea that overwhelms you in the moment. You're not thinking about, hey, I got to check myself. Well, keep in mind, scams are big business, right? So you're marketed to. They're, they're putting money just like a legitimate business into their marketing. So you're seeing that on Twitter. And the reason why is, again, it's not it's not regulated. So you're not stupid. You didn't do anything wrong. 40% of all scams that are reported to us end up being online purchase scams. Wow. So, you know, that's why we say don't always click on links on social media, you know, because uh, you never know where you're going. But, yeah, you know, it, it can be really hard to figure out what's real and what's not. Tyler, I so much appreciate you being willing to share that with our listening audience. And again, it can happen, as you said. Yeah. It just happens, and it does. And you always talk about that, Daniel. But here's the subject that I want to go to now, because we talk about scams a lot. But I want everybody to understand who the Better Business Bureau is and what do you do. I mean, I know so many people say, I'm a member of the Better Business Bureau, and I have an A rating. or so. But somebody asked me the question. That's why I'm asking you. This person was uh, thinking about doing business with this individual, this company, and they had an ELF rating. How does a person get an ELF rating? So we rate all businesses, regardless of accreditation or affiliation with the Better Business Bureau. Every business can be rated. Every business. Every business. Every every transaction, right? It, it can be, if, if what we consider a business is a, is a business transaction, right? So if you're out there doing business transactions, you may or may not have a business license. But if you are operating as a business, you are eligible for a rating, right? Right. 
We rate all businesses A plus being the best, F being the worst. So it's just like school. So what you can do is you can go to our website or you can call the Better Business Bureau or you can email us and you can search up a business's rating and we can tell you, hey, this business is an A plus or, you know, this business has an A or stay away from this business. This business has an F. Now, F means fail. F means bad. You want to stay away from bad businesses. Our entire mission, we're a nonprofit, but we we exist to steer you towards good businesses and away from bad businesses. And when you have an issue with a legitimate business, help you mediate that by what, what we call a complaint, right? So what we're known for is complaints. And when you have an issue with a business, regardless of whether it's an accredited business or not, you can file a formal complaint. And what's great about our complaint process is individual people can go and they can look at that complaint online that you filed, and then they can look at the response of the business and they can make an educated decision as to not whether they want to use that business or not, right? So you your question was how you get an F rating. It's pretty simple. If you're a business owner and you've got a lot of complaints and you have not answered those complaints, that's the easiest way to get an F rating. Wow, Daniel. You know what's sad about this? We've run out of time already. And I, I, this telephone number, let me give that to you. 901-759-1300. That's Daniel Irwin, Mid-South Better Business Bureau. If you want to talk to Shannon or Scott, it's 901-757-5757. Daniel, you always do a great job, sir. Sorry we've run out of time. I, you know, I don't, I don't know why that's happening. We don't have enough time, but... Hey, just remind you, if you got a question for us, send it to Jim, J-I-M. Text line is 901-683-0989 or talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Join me next week. We've got Michael Powell, Confidence in Retirement, and Ted Miner is going to talk about things your client may not know about Social Security that you may not know. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 9. I want to thank our producer, Tyler Springs, for his transparency this morning and guest and content coordination, Francis Ford. Production and Marketing Assistant, Laura Norsworthy, Compliance Officer, Tommy Armstrong, and Kimberly Holtus. Thanks for listening. We're here for you every week, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.